church, and uh, he calls me, and I talk with him, and I sure do admire him and his walk with God. And so we want you to come and to obey the Lord, Brother Cody Marks. Everybody say, God bless him. Let's give the Lord praise in the house. Everybody give God praise right now in the house. He is worthy. Hallelujah. I'm just glad to be in an apostolic church tonight. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed to be apostolic. Better yet, I'm not ashamed to be all the way apostolic. Praise God. And um, I first feel like I owe it to God. I owe it to myself. I also believe I owe it to the elders that are among us tonight. Brother Holmes, there's a lot of young guys going haywire. But I give you my word, elder. I'm going to preach this message as strong as you preach it. I mean that. Brother Phil White, I'm doing my dead level best to preach it just like the preaching I was raised on as a young person when you would come preach youth conventions and youth camps in Oklahoma. In fact, I feel very strong that when the devil comes and he is a liar and when he comes and he he says that's no longer necessary, I actually think what he's really telling me is it's more necessary than it's ever been. And so... When those voices come and those pressures come, we can't succumb to those pressures. I want every young person in this house to hear me right now. We can't succumb to the strange winds that are blowing through our movement right now. We owe it to these elders. We owe it to God, but we owe it to these elders. And this didn't come cheap. Brother Godair... You got my word. Brother Kenny, go there. Brother Johnny, go there. You you men, you've got my word. I daily, I daily pray, God, help me to love this truth. Help me to love this truth, the whole truth, as much as my elders have loved it. I'm thankful to be apostolic tonight. Genesis chapter number 12, if you've got your Bibles.
see many friends. Across the congregation tonight. And I love you and appreciate your friendship. And um, I want to do my best to be obedient to what I feel like that the Lord has given me for this service tonight. I hope it's okay to say this in this meeting. I assume that it is, but I really feel like the Lord has spoken to me about this service. How many still believe that God is talking? Hallelujah. And I will preface what I'm fixing to preach by saying this. Hear me all of the way out tonight. Hear me all the way out. Let me finish. Let me finish. And understand, before I even get started, that if I wasn't apostolic through and through, and every fiber in my being, you cut me open, I bleed apostolic. If I was not apostolic, I would not be in this meeting tonight. I would not be here. So hear me all of the way out tonight. Genesis chapter number 12, verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, Make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. I'm just glad you got God on your side. I'm just thankful for the Holy Ghost tonight. I'm just thankful for truth tonight. Come on. I'm just thankful for truth. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. How many is thankful we've got a God that's on our side? Come on, you going to help me preach tonight? I said, how many is glad we've got a God that's on our side? God be for us who can be against us. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Abram, I'm bringing you out. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to put favor on you. But right from the beginning, I want you to understand, Abraham, this is not just about you. He said, I'm blessing you that you might be a blessing. And I am favoring you that you might be a blessing to all of the nations, all of the families of the earth. 
Somebody say all. All families of the earth be blessed. I want to preach tonight for a little while on the subject, when favor fails. When favor fails. We're in an old-time Pentecostal service tonight, and I have prayed for an old-time, an old-time spirit to fall in this house. For an anointing, for an anointing to fall in this building. I want the Holy Ghost to do something in us tonight. I don't know what you come to see. I, I, I don't know what you're here for. I, 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 can't, I can't determine that. I don't have time to determine that. I've just got to believe there's some people in this place tonight that, that have come with a hungry heart saying, God, I want you to stir something in me again. Stir something in me again. If you're in this place and you want to be stirred by the Holy Ghost, would you just raise your hands and ask God to talk to us tonight? Would you do that? Come on. Come on, lift your voice and ask God to talk to us. God, let an old-fashioned stirring take place in here tonight. I want you to stir this local church. I want you to stir every saint. I want you to stir every preacher. Stir us up tonight. Come on, help me pray just a minute more. I know you've been standing. Come on, let your voice out. Come on, somebody. Somebody pray that God would stir us up. Stir us up. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated. Somebody mix your voice with it and shout. Come on, that's all right. This is an apostolic church. You can clap and shout. You can clap and shout. This is an apostolic church. It's allowed. It's permitted. It's in order. Hand clapping's in order. Shouting's in order. Hallelujah. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. There was some very important clarification that God was trying to get across to Abraham right out of the chute. There were some things that he foresaw even in the midst of his 
purpose and his plan. It was almost as if, as he was releasing the promise into the ears of Abraham, he was warning him, he was revealing to him, Abraham, I have chosen you. But I don't want you to misunderstand what my chosenness is about. I have favored you. I have anointed you and my anointing is my approval. But Abraham, I want you to understand from the outset, before you ever have the first son, before this thing gets as big as I plan on it to get, I'm blessing you for a reason. I am favoring you for a reason. There is a purpose. All of this delivering business is not just about you, Abraham. All of this, if I could put it in our vernacular, if I could tie us into the text, all of this being saved business is not just about you. All of this Holy Ghost experience stuff, all of this talking in tongues and being baptized in Jesus' name and, and living righteously and separated from the world, it's not all about you. Ah, uh, there's nobody in this place tonight that enjoys uh, the depth of a Sunday morning service any more than I enjoy the depth of a Sunday morning service. There's nobody in this house tonight that enjoys the heights of a Sunday night service any more than I enjoy the dancing and shouting on a Sunday night. But Abraham, let me tell you from the beginning. All of this stuff that I'm giving you is not for you to hoard. It's not for you to hoard. I am not giving you this exclusively. I am not giving you this for you to take this and run over in a hole and share this with your family and live this with your family in your little cave and forget about the rest of the world. Abraham, before I ever let you walk into the progressive revelation of what I'm going to do with you, let me explain something to you. Abraham, I am doing what I am doing through you and to you, not just for you, but for them. It's about them. I, I'm blessing you to bless them. I'm bringing you out to bring them in. I am setting you apart. I am, I am calling you out. I am delivering you. And Abraham, I am delivering you that you might be a blessing. Come on, I'm in the Bible. I read it to you. I am blessing you that you might be a blessing to them. I am blessing you that you would be a blessing to all nations. He clarifies who them is. 
He brings clarity. I'm not just going to bless you so you can bless them, but let me just clarify it a little better. I am blessing you that you might be a blessing to all nations. Not just to your family. Not just to the ones that you think deserve it. Not just to the ones that see everything the way you see it right now. But Abraham, I'm doing what I'm doing for you as a model to the rest of the world. Look, this is what God can do for you. Oh, you're not going to help me. I, I can tell you're... You're nervous. You're wondering what Brother Cox has got in the pulpit tonight. I'm telling you, just trust me. You've got to trust the man of God here tonight. God has done some great things for us as apostolic people. I am thankful for every blessing. I am thankful for beautiful buildings. I am thankful for the way that God has blessed us financially. I am thankful for our large congregations. I am thankful that God has revealed to us the beauty of the oneness of God. I am glad that I was raised in a one God, Jesus name, Holy Ghost Church. I'm thankful for that. Hallelujah. I am thankful that I was raised in a church where I had a pastor that preached against television. I am thankful that I was raised in a church. I am thankful, I am thankful for God, how God has blessed us as far as musically. We have the best singers in Pentecost. We have the best preachers. We have the best preachers in the world. We have some of the most talented young people of anywhere in the world. Are you hearing me right now? But apostolics, I have come with a word from God to remind us. Let us never forget, God has blessed us, not for us to hoard it, but God has blessed us that we might reveal to the rest of the world he done it for me he can do it for you see let me let me just give you a little more here surrounding the text Genesis chapter 12 is the beginning of Jewish history Genesis chapter number 12 is the beginning. It's where it all starts. It all starts with the calling out of Abraham. The call of Abraham. The purpose of this call. But if you were to really dial this in for the sake of our subject, you cannot leave out the first 11 chapters. While chapter number 12 is the beginning of Jewish history and the Jewish family in which Jesus would eventually descend or, or come from, you must understand that the 11 chapters before, while God is expressing His love to Abraham and His favor to Abraham in chapter number 12, the first 11 chapters in the Bible, while it contains many principles, while it contains many stories, basically, for the sake of our subject here tonight, the first 11 chapters is God's attempt to some way connect with man, but that connection is not being made. Man has, man has grew further and further away 
from what God intended originally for Adam and Eve in the garden. Man, by chapter number 11, possibly thousands of years, depends on what commentary you read, possibly thousands of years, passing from Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter number 11. But when you read through all of this, laced within all of these verses and chapters, after the fall of Adam and Eve, is a God that is desperately trying to reconnect with mankind. I'm not reading anything into it. Get your Bible and read. Think about the stories that lie within those first 11 chapters. God is stretching Himself. God is trying to do everything within His power to reconnect with the breach to cause a bridge to be rebuilt that was caused by the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden. God is trying. God is trying. He is trying to reveal to man, I love you. He is trying to reveal to man, I care about you. He is trying to reveal to mankind, I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. He is trying to reveal to the entire universe through the first 11 chapters, I am the lover and you are the beloved. He's trying, he is, he is trying to some way communicate to the universe that I want relationship with you. I want to be a part of your life. I want you to serve me. I want you to live for me. I want you to care about me. But I also want you to understand that I care about you. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. But this has miserably failed through 11 chapters. And finally, finally we get to chapter number 12. And God says, okay, the universe is not getting the point. They are not understanding how much I care about them. They are not understanding the depths of my love. And no matter how hard I'm trying to reach to them, it seems that they are getting further and further and further away from that. So God calls a man out. Chapter number 12. God calls a man out. God delivers a man. God gives this man an extraordinary experience. He highly favors this man that we know as Abram. But you must hear this preacher tonight. God had a purpose for what he was doing in Abraham's life. Abraham, I'm not choosing you because the rest of the world won't pay attention to me. I'm not choosing you, Abraham, because the rest of the world won't have anything to do with me. No, Abraham... I'm choosing you because I want to love you and I want to bless you and I want to set you up on a shelf as a model to the rest of the world. This is what I want to do for the world. That was the whole purpose in the calling of Abraham. Was Abraham, the universe is not getting the point. And so I am going to use you. I'm going to love you. I am going to bless you. I am going to favor you. 
And my reasoning in doing this is not for it to go to your head. The reason I'm blessing you is not for your exclusiveness. But the reason I'm blessing you is because I want to reveal to the rest of the world through you what I want to do for them. Come on, apostolics. Let us get back to our original, our original purpose. Our original purpose was not for us to walk through our cities with our noses so high that nobody wants anything to do with us. give us the Holy Ghost. God didn't allow us to come to the knowledge of truth. God didn't reveal baptism in Jesus' name to us for us to take this blessing and hide over in a corner somewhere and say, well, God doesn't love the rest of the world. God doesn't care about the rest of the world. No, God loves us so the rest of the world can understand that He loves them. He didn't save us for us to look down our nose at people. You told me I could preach it tonight. I said, He didn't save us for this to go to our head. Shame on us if we think we're the only ones that God wants to go to heaven. Boy, I didn't get near the response there I thought I would. I said, shame on us if we think we're the only ones that God wants to go to heaven. Let me remind you of something, baby. His Word said, it's not my will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I may, I hope there's not any anti-revivalist here because by the time I get done, you're going to get so mad that it ain't even funny. But I'm telling you, you got a revivalist on your hand and I, I, I still believe that in the last days, God's going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. He said, let every man come and drink freely from that river. Pray tell me where that river's going to come from. Is it going to come from the heavens? Are we waiting on a thunder to crack and a cloud to burst? No, no. I'll tell you where that river is. That river's dammed up on the inside of us. And we got to get the dam torn out. You just as well to help me. I'm starting to feel at home. I'm going to preach here tonight. I said we got to get the dam torn down. all of this for us to sit out here three nights a week and glow in this greatness if you're running the same 40 people you were 10 years ago you're not in the will of God 
Well, them 40 people I got's holy. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus had 12. One of them was a devil. And one of them had a filthy mouth. Oh, God, here we go. i tell you what you need. You need you four or five people in your church that smell like smoke. Well, we don't smoke in this church. You're right, we don't smoke in this church. But if we are blessed and we are being that model upon the wall for the rest of the world to see, you know what that tells me? If we're exemplifying what God's done in us, it's going to tell the smoker, hey, come on over to our church and God will do for you what AA can't do for you. Brother Cox, the day a hundred soul revivals is not over. You don't have to compromise to have a hundred soul revival. You don't have to compromise to see blinded eyes open and people get up out of wheelchairs. Holiness is not barrenness. I'm going to say that again. Holiness is not barrenness. Our holiness, is it ought to be creating fruitfulness. And fruitfulness is souls. If you really got holiness, there ought to be people in your altars. There ought to be sinners in your altars. There ought to be, there ought to be water baptism stirred on a weekly basis. Johnny King's not a compromiser. We don't count thumbs. We don't count pot like popcorn. We've had 150 people get the Holy Ghost the last nine months. You don't have, that's fine. I'll rejoice. I'll rejoice when it, you don't have to rejoice with us. That's fine. You say, well, how many of you keep it? How many of them you keep? Well, I turned around Sunday morning and started counting and I got to 45 that are coming consistently. That's pretty good. We got a man, we got an ex-blind man in our church, or in that church that three weeks ago had big thick glasses on and come in with a white walking cane. He's reading the, he's reading the words off the wall now. got his healing on Sunday morning he had so much faith that on Sunday night they rolled a guy in that was twisted up and his head was bent down and he had been in a wheelchair many years and that old ex-blind man got up behind him on Sunday night and started praying for him you know what he did he come up out of that wheelchair talking in tongues and walked across the front of that church Don't tell me you're apostolic if you don't believe in revival. Don't tell me you're apostolic if you don't believe in folks getting the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's go back to the, let's go back to the basics. The Bible says that the Lord added daily to the church. Somebody shout daily. Daily. That's not compromise, that's apostolic. 
It's compromise when you ain't having that. Abraham, I didn't call you out, bless you, for you to get out there in the wilderness somewhere and form you a little country club and hang do not disturb signs on the doors and not let anybody else in. I loved you, Abraham, because I hoped to build a model so the rest of the world could look at you and say, my God, if he can do it for Abraham. My God, have you been in this thing so long you forgot the muck and mire God dug you out of? Come on. The man laying at the pool of Bethesda, what was it, 38, 39 years? You know, the saddest, Sister Dykes, the saddest part of that story to me is that man, that man had laid there 38 years and those waters were stirred. Those waters were stirred once a year. He laid there 38, 39 years and the saddest thing to me in the story was the Bible said that he looked at Jesus and said, I have no man. Where were those 39 miracles at? Oh, you, 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 you don't want to hear me. I, I, I said, where are those, where were those 38, 39 miracles at? I tell you what, it's easy. It's easy to get what we need and get up off of the porch and get our healing and get our miracle and get our family put back together and God save our house. It's easy to get what we need and go right back to life and forget about all the other people who were laying on the porch. Abraham, I don't want you to fall into that natural human tendency of, of getting what you need and, and taking my favor and my blessing and just going back to living life and forgetting that I have called you out to exemplify to the rest of the world how great a God that I am. The only picture of Jesus the people in your city seeing is the one you portray when you walk through Walmart. And some of you Bible scholars are going to want to question this, but I studied it in inside and out. It's there. 600 years goes by. God, I hope I can get through this without going to pieces. 600 years after God formed the model, trying to reveal to the rest of the world that I want, I want to be your God. I want to be the lover. I want, I want you to be the beloved. If you'll serve me, this is what I want. 600 years rocks by. In Exodus 19, The cards. It records the beginnings of God through Moses setting up the Levitical priesthood. It's in your Bible. 
It's in your King James Bible. But in the midst of setting up the Levitical priesthood, one-twelfth of Israel, one-twelfth of what God had put together 600 years before in Genesis chapter number 12 that He wanted to use as a model, He looks at them and He says, I wanted you all to be priests. Got three or four amens there. I see some of you looking across the congregation trying to find your pastor, see if he's nodding his head. It's in there. He said, I wanted you all to become priests. I didn't want a Levitical priesthood. The world was in such a mess that I wanted to use, I wanted to use the entirety of Israel to minister to the whole world. The wall was so messed up. I needed all of you. I needed the entirety of Israel. I needed every tribe to be a witness for me. I needed the entirety of the nation to be a model. But you have gotten so far from what my favor was intended for that now, instead of you all ministering to the world, I've got to call one-twelfth out of you. To minister to the other eleven twelves. This is not the way I wanted it. When I called Abraham out in Genesis chapter 12, the world was in a mess. I wanted to use you all as a model. But you've gotten so far. You've forgotten what I called you out for. You've forgotten that I called you. I wanted you all to be a priest. What is a priest? We're in a holiness conference. We believe in the essentiality of, of separation and purity. But why? Why must a priest be holy? Because the priest, his job is to have a handful of the sinner and a handful of God. He's supposed to be that one that helps reconcile what is lost and what has the power to save. That's why we live holy. And I am disturbed as a 30-year-old young man when I see us perfecting holiness. And I think that we ought to perfect it. I think we ought to practice it. I think we ought to get tighter instead of looser. But let us never forget why we live holy. We don't live holy so we can look down somebody, look down our nose at somebody else that doesn't live as holy as we live. I'm sorry, Brother Cox, I appreciate you, but my holiness is not to impress you, so you asked me to preach this camp meeting. And what a waste for us to perfect holiness, Sam Howard, and get a handful of God. And I'm conservative to the core. But I'm speaking as a young man of something that concerns me. We're clean and we're holy and we're pure. And we got a handful of God. But we got another hand strapped behind us. 
So you know what happens? You know what happens when we live holy and we get a handful of God and we're not connecting sinner with Savior? You know what happens? Self-aggrandizement. And everything becomes about us. And God says, you see how far you've gotten away from us. I wanted you to be ministers. But you've gotten so far away from what favor my favor was for. Instead of you ministering, I've got to spend my time now ministering to you. You walk in our services and see what our services are about. See what our songs are about. See what our programs are about. Everything has become so self-serving that it stinks in the nostrils of God. We can't pray new people through from worrying ourselves to death over praying people through that have been around the church 25 years. And the reason we still got people sucking on bottles and, and sucking on pacifiers and diapers that have been around the church for 40 years is because you missed the point. God didn't let you be raised in the church for you to be a part of some exclusive country club. God let you be raised in the church that you can walk in that city and let that city know God can do for you what He's done for me. Am I preaching all right? And so we can't have babies because our spiritual nurseries are full of our own people. There's no available beds, no empty bottles. Oh, there's empty bottles all right, but the bottles are being taken by people that have been around the church 10 or 15 years. He said, I never wanted this Levitical stuff. I wanted you all to be ministers. But you forgot what my favor was for. You forgot that my favor was not to their exclusion. But my favor to you was because of their inclusion. got to quit being scared to death of sinners. Brother Holmes, if I get out of line, you get a hold of me and I promise you I'll, I'll humble down and I'll submit. But I'm afraid, I'm afraid that some of our churches doesn't resemble anything like Jesus' church would resemble. And you've gotten, you, you've gotten so far, Abraham. We've got to get back to that original Abrahamic call. That's what, that's what Peter was trying to provoke when he said, yes, you're a peculiar people. Yes, you're a holy nation. 
But oh, you're a royal. A royal priesthood. Yes, you got to be holy. you got to be holy because it's your responsibility to connect what's unholy with what's holy. Yes, you're different. Yes, we're peculiar. Yes, we don't live like the rest of the world. Yes, we don't live like the rest of the denominal world. But there's a purpose. And the purpose is because you're a royal priesthood. To show forth. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> it becomes self-serving. <laughs> they forget that it's out that they're supposed to be looking and not in. If I'm going to be misunderstood, I've already been misunderstood. So what do I got to lose? Here I go. It becomes so ingrown and inbred. It becomes so exclusive that that thing that God intended to be a model to pull the rest of the world in starts to splinter to such a point just to go there that it implodes. Now you may get a kick and a joy sitting around eating hamburgers talking about All of the implosions in the apostolic movement. But it doesn't make me happy. I don't like all the division. And I knew it would get quiet here. And it's probably going to get even more quiet. But God's trying to keep the model from failing again. And it becomes so ingrown and inbred, Sam Howard, that it blows up within. And two, stay in the south. And they keep the temple in Jerusalem. And ten go to the north. And they give them a mountain. And they build Samaria. And it's gotten so far from Abraham, I blessed you to be a blessing to all nations. That you know what they spend all their time doing? They've so, they've so far gotten away from that that they spend all of their time shouting back and forth, He loves me. No, He loves me. We got it right. No, we got it right. I'm not talking about core fundamental stuff. I'm not talking about women cutting their hair and putting makeup on their face. I'm not talking about short pants on a man. 
I'm not talking about long hair on a man. I'm not talking about core fundamental apostolic stuff. I'm talking about the ridiculousness of things that we won't fellowship over. And the rest of the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And we got anointing and we got favor. And we feel goosebumps on Sunday night. And our cities are going to hell while we're bickering over the color of a shirt. Wait, wait. There's saints here. I'm not going to cause confusion. I believe in the autonomy of the local church. If your pastor says don't wear anything but a white shirt, I'm telling you, you better not wear anything but a white shirt. Period. But a test of fellowship? Whether a woman wears her hair up or wears it down? We're going to fight over that when the issue... I thought the issue was it was, a, it was uncut. Wait a minute, wait, hear me out. If you're, I, I've seen both sides of this. I was raised with Brother David Shadwell. He wanted, he wanted it on their head. And he had good reasons. White shirt. Period. But a test of fellowship? Whether a woman wears her hair up or wears it down? We're going to fight over that when the issue... I thought the issue was it was, a, it was uncut. Wait a minute, wait, hear me out. If you're, I, I've seen both sides of this. I was raised with Brother David Shadwell. He wanted, he wanted it on their head. And he had good reasons. He wanted the hair up and I understood his reasons. And if you were a young lady in that church, you better have your hair up. But now, I'm basing out another church and they encourage them to wear it down because it's their glory. Can we stand in the north, Brother Copeland, and stand in the south while the world's going to hell and say, I got it right. I'm going to preach this message strong or I'm not going to preach it at all. I'm going to preach. Listen, hear me out. I'm not preaching for a sponsor. I'm going to preach the whole truth or I'm not preaching it at all. But I'm going to tell you something. All of this divisiveness and division, we've gotten so far from what God saved us. Peter, Paul, and James won't get in the same room like they did in Acts 15 anymore. They'll sit at home behind a computer screen. I don't understand it.
Can he go there? If you see something in Cody Marks, I'd love you and your wife enough. I'm going to trust you're going to come talk to me about it. And we're going to work that out. And we're going to, we're going to do just like Peter and Paul and James. And we're going to come out of that meeting and we're going to say, this is what seems right. That's not compromise. That's unity. That's getting it right so that we're the model so that everybody else world's going to hell and we can't quit fighting one another you can call me arrogant you can chalk me up don't have me come preach for you whatever but i'm telling you i have sat at the last table and heard preachers eating for dinner i won't do it again i'm not doing it i'm not doing it i don't have to agree And a lot of cases, I don't agree. We cannot forget why God has given us what He's given us. They become so ingrown and inbred that it imploded and they just... I mean, help me. Are we supposed to be lone rangers? Are we, am, I, am I supposed to respond? Because I'm getting it from the liberals, and I'm getting it from the conservatives, Brother Cox. It's the right thing for me just to take my wife and kids and go burrow up in a hole somewhere and go start a church and just forget about everybody else? Is that, is that the right response? Am I supposed to become this renegade, this maverick who just, just let the world just do whatever they want to do and just, I'm just going to go do my own thing. No, no, no. I, I still believe in the importance of community and the church and, and koinonia and the brotherhood and I've endued you with power that you become judges. Come on, folks. Am I preaching false doctrine? I've endued you with power that you become holiness police. I've endued you with power so you can show up to Cox's camp meeting and see who's got it right and who doesn't. He said, I've endued you with power that you might become witnesses. (laughs) 
I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to get a nasty spirit. I don't want to forget why God saved my great-grandma as a 60-plus-year-old widow woman. I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget why God Israel, you, you've gotten so far from your original purpose. The world's going to hell. The model's splintering and you're bickering amongst yourselves. You're not witnesses, you're judges. <laughs> Your, your church is not inclusive. Your church is too holy to be inclusive. You're afraid somebody's going to come in there and you, one of your friends is going to find out about it because you're working with them until the Holy Ghost totally revolutionizes them and they get that junk out of their ears. I don't know, but if Jesus had a church, I think Jesus would have people in His church who had television. Brother Marks, you're promoting TV. No, I'm not. I hate it. Catch me in another moon. You'll hear me preaching against it as strong as anybody that'll fill this pulpit. But I would imagine in Jesus' church, there would be somebody that had only been there one or two services. <laughs> I'll tell you how far it got. God shook a preacher one morning. said, I want you to get up. I want you to go preach. And he rose on the edge of his bed. Mark Copeland, come get a Bible and a mic. Help me read. Preacher rose out of his bed, gets up on his feet. says, okay, God, where in Israel do you want me to go? I told you to hear me all the way out. Tune in. Okay, God, where in Israel do you want me to go? Listen, Jonah, I got these, these, there's these people in trouble. And I'm angry with them. But Jonah, I want you to go tell them if they'll repent. If they'll repent, Jonah, I'll forgive them. Okay, God, where in Israel do you want me to go? 
which tribe is it in the north you want me to know, Jonah? See, when you leave tonight, you're going to understand the story of Jonah and the well was more than just about a man and a fish. Okay, well, God, if it's not in the north, I've been waiting to go down there in the south and light them up. Just give me the, give me the green light, God. No, Jonah. I don't want you to go to Israel. You know those people over there that's been a burr under your saddle for the last hundred years? Oh, it's fixing to get really quiet in here. But I'm not afraid. Because I know the Lord told I know the Lord spoke to me. Jonah, I want you to... God, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Jonah, I want you to go over there, those Assyrians over there in Nineveh. I want you to go tell them people over there that, 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 that I'm angry with them. But if they'll repent, I'll forgive them and I'll spare them. And Jonah says, now God, you know I can't do that. See, before, a few months ago, before the Lord gave this to me, I thought Jonah was just afraid of being used of God. No, Jonah wasn't afraid to be used of God. Jonah wanted to be selective in who God could love. Hello? Is this on? Jonah wasn't afraid to be used to God. Jonah wasn't afraid to be the prophet of God. Jonah just wanted to be selective in who he would prophesy to. And so he runs as far as he can run in the opposite direction. Was he running from the call of God? No. He was running because he wanted to be... It had gotten so far from Genesis chapter number 12 that as a prophet, he thought he could select who God could love and who God couldn't love. I hope before I get finished tonight that some of you could get visuals of those old snotty-nosed bus kids you used to pick up before your church become too clean to pick them up. No, I won't go, God. I won't be your man. Don't you know how those people are? The model is splintering and has failed so bad. The group, the country club has become so exclusive that Jonah the prophet won't even go preach to those people. And he runs and he gets on a boat. And there's some of you real uncomfortable right now. And I'm glad you're uncomfortable because that tells me at least you can still be convicted. And he gets on a boat and he starts running. He runs as far in the other direction as he can run to the go there. As far as he can run in the other direction. 
and he buys a boat ticket and he gets on this boat and the wind hear me out I'm almost done the sea starts rocking the boat and the guys in the boat practicing their witchcraft come up with Jonah's the man and they asked Jonah Jonah are you the man he said yeah I'm running from God you know what the Bible says they said the guys practicing witchcraft rode even harder trying to save Jonah isn't it amazing that the pagan would do for the prophet what the prophet wasn't willing to do for Nineveh I'll say it again. Isn't it amazing that the pagans were willing to do for Jonah what Jonah wouldn't even think twice about doing for Nineveh? They rode even harder trying to save him and eventually they pitch him out. The whale swallows him up. The whale throws him up after he begs and pleads for his life. And when he hits dry ground, he's still griping. God, I don't want to go. I don't want to go preach to those people. What is this partition? This partition is not in the heart of God. This partition is in our own prejudice. Hello? If it's not the truth, then why are we called the Gentile inclusion? The model splintered so bad, so bad, that God lets the Spirit fall on the Jews, and then the Holy Ghost falls. And He slips up behind the Jews, and He said, You know what? I'd like to give the Gentiles the Holy Ghost. And they went, These are the people that he raised up in Genesis chapter 12 and said, I'm going to bless you, but I'm blessing you that you might be a blessing to all families, all nations. And Jonah finally goes grudgingly, half-heartedly preaches repent. And what happens to him more when he starts preaching repentance? The king bails off. That pagan king bailed off that throne and he ripped his garments and he repented and that entire city repented. You know what? Hundreds of years of history and 21 kings in the northern part of Israel and we have no record of any king from Israel ever doing that. We have no record. Hundreds of years. 21 kings in northern Israel. And no king in northern Israel ever bailed off of his throne and tore off his garments and repented as this pagan king of Nineveh. Okay. And they repent and God spares the city. And the great prophet, Mark, are you ready? Yes, sir. Oh, God. Read. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, read. 
but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Turn him up. Read. And he was very angry. It displeased him exceedingly, and he was very angry. What was he angry about? Read. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarsus, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful. Wait, stop! Are you reading out of the King James Bible? Jonah just told God after he spared. What was it, 200,000 people? It says right there at the end of chapter 4. Jonah, after God just gave Jonah a 200,000 soul revival. Is that what it says, Mark? The end of chapter 4. Or is it 120,000? Six score thousand persons. 120,000. God just gave him 120,000 soul revival. And Jonah's mad and he's angry. And he said, I knew this. I knew this was what you were going to do. See, you thought all these years Jonah ran because he was afraid of being used to God. Jonah didn't run because he was afraid of being used to God. Jonah ran because he wanted to be selective in who God could love. And God gives him 120,000 soul revival. And Jonah's mad and he's angry. And he said, God, this right here is, this is why I took off to Tarshish. I knew you were going to do this. I knew they were going to pray. I knew those buses were going to fill up. I knew the Sunday school rooms were going to, I knew they were going to show up if we run a bus route in that area. I knew this was going to happen. Read. I knew that thou art a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger. I knew you were gracious. I knew you were slow to anger. Of great kindness. I knew you were a kind God. God, I told you this. This is why I run. I knew this is how you are. You just love everybody. You want to include everybody. You want everybody to be in the church. You want everybody to be lavished by your love. You want everybody to experience the Holy Ghost. You want everybody to be baptized. I knew. Read, Mark. And repent us thee of the evil. God, I knew that when I went and preached to them that you were gracious. And I knew, God, that when you repented, yeah. or when they repented, God, I knew, I knew. I knew you'd spare them. Read. Therefore now, O Lord, take thee, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. I think there's some people that would rather burn in hell than sit in heaven with some folks. My God, Jonah, he just gave you 120,000 soul revival and you're mad and you're wanting to die?
Just kill me, God. I'd rather you die than save those people. I would rather die, God, than you reach that community. My God. Oh, I hear you right now. That young man's overstepped his boundaries. He's forgotten where he's at. That might work in California, but that boy, somebody needs to remind him of where he's at. I know exactly where I'm at. Don't use the N-word in my house. All right. And better yet, I don't see how somebody Holy Ghost feel can use the N-word. Ushers, get the doors open because there's fixing to be a mass exodus. Read, Brother Copeland. Then said the Lord, Dost thou do us well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth. Read the last verse. Chapter 4. And should I not spare Nineveh? God finally answered Jonah's nonsense with a question and how appropriate. He says, read. And should not I spare Nineveh that what great did city? You, what did you want me to do, Jonah? Just let them go to hell? Should I not spare Nineveh? It is 120,000 people. Read. And should I not spare Nineveh the great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand? Come on, Jonah. Surely they don't act like you. Sure they don't think like you. Sure they don't live like you. But they don't have yet what you have either. expecting them to have discernment. They don't even have the Holy Ghost. Yes, they're thieves. Yes, they'll prowl through your purse. Yes, you better lock the cars in the parking lot. 
Yeah, they might not be afraid to walk up in your backyard and carry something off. Yeah, they might break up in your house when they know you're gone on vacation. But come on, Jonah. They don't know their left hand from their right. They don't have any discernment. What do you want me to do? Just let them go to hell. Well, send them over to the black church. I've got news for you. When the black man walks through the pearly gates, St. Peter's not going to tell him the black church is over on the other side of heaven. in this perverse world that we're living in and in the midst of rampant uh, compromise in the apostolic movement. Be holy. Preach holy. Practice holiness. Have a handful of God. But don't forget why we're living holy. We're living holy to connect lost with Savior. Come on, Jonah. Would you just you just wanted me to let 120,000 people? You know how far they've gotten from Genesis chapter 12? I tell you how far they go. You read material on it right now, and the hardcore. Rabbis and Jews, the hardcore believers of what came out of Genesis chapter 12, they claim there's no legitimacy to the story of Jonah. They want to skirt around it. They still don't want to accept the fact that somebody in their country club still don't want to accept the fact that somebody within their country club reached for somebody outside of their little clique. There's not going to be any segregation in heaven, folks. Well, Brother Marks, a lot of our problems the way they act. Okay. They don't have the Holy Ghost. Well, I didn't get near the response there. How long are we going to hide behind that excuse? Well, this prejudice problem is because you don't, they're just as prejudiced as we are. Maybe so. But just like God told Jonah, come on, Jonah. They're not favored and blessed yet. They can't discern the left from the right. 
So, who's your Nineveh? Huh? Who's your Nineveh? It's not hearsay. I was there 14 weeks, 12 weeks. Johnny Godair, hands down, has got one of the greatest churches in Pentecost. But it's an inclusive church. He doesn't want worldliness, but he wants the world. I go there, I'll never forget the impact it made when I got in late that first night before I preached East Coast, before we ever had that revival. I told my wife, I said, let's go by the church. I heard the stories. Somebody said, you got to go by his church, but don't just go by his church, go by his other piece of property because he's got a bus lot there. It was late. And I remember when I drove over those speed bumps and my lights hit all those vans sitting in that parking lot of the First Pentecostal Church of Durham. Go there by telling the truth when I tell these people we had 250 people get the Holy Ghost. I may not have any credibility but with you, but if he don't have credibility, there's nobody in this building that has credibility. Twelve, thirteen in one service, more than once. But I asked him one evening, and I'm not going to, he may not want everybody knowing, but I asked him how much he spent a year on buses and fuel. And then I go to places and they say they want revival, and I tell them I need some material. And they come dump this stuff off on me, and it's, Letters are crooked and the printing's horrible and oh, it's just outreach. He's work. Trying to stir up outreach on Saturday. Oh, they say they want revival. Four or five people show up that always show up. I wonder if Franklin know Franklin, and I wonder if they know there's a Holy Ghost service happening out here tonight. 
wonder if the old drunk black man in the slum over in Franklinton, Brother Cox, I wonder if he knows there's a church out here in these woody pines full of people who used to just be exactly like him. Oh, Brother Marks, we ain't gonna have this in this church. My my kids aren't my kids aren't going to school with them colored. My my kids aren't going. They're, they're, I'm not raising my kids in a youth group with them colored kids. When it comes time to take their place in the choir loft to heaven, you think you're gonna stand there and say, "No, my little Johnny's not standing in that part of the choir." I believe with you guys before you go out here and read something into what I'm preaching. Please give Cody Marks 10 or 15 more years to mature and I'm still green. I know that. I'm trying to say it the best way I know how to say it. But, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid we've missed the point. We have become so worried about keeping worldliness out that we've kept the world out. He called me. He said, Mark, so why don't you come in and pray a couple of days and stay in the room and fast. And He said, if God will let you. And he said, then I want you to... And a nice-sized church, good church, holiness church. He said, we just can't grow. He said, I, I want you to come in and help me. And I prayed on it a while. I called him back and said, I, I had it open. And I said, I can do it. First night, Brother Kenny go there. A guy walked in, shaved head. He was an Asian guy. Had about two teeth in his head. Tattooed down the side of his neck. Piercings. And a in a pair of flip-flops, cut-off jeans. Boy, that church looked clean. Music was crisp. Nobody was off-key. And that apostolic service was doing what it was supposed to be doing. God was favoring them so that guy sitting back there in that cut-off jeans could feel like God could favor him. And I could tell they're not liking this, but I knew... I knew that Asian guy right there is the answer to this church having revival. Sam Howard, I got halfway through preaching. That old boy took all he could stand. The prayer got to him. The prayer was there. He felt the cleanliness. He felt the the, the absence of the world. He felt that. It was doing what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to make him feel like he could have it too. Mark, he, I seen him, I seen him look around. And I just kind of urged him. There's four or five hundred people there. I said, go ahead and do what you feel. I, I, I just set it out in the air. 
And I watched that big old burly guy come out of that pew. And he, he spun a couple times in the aisle like he didn't know what to do. And he took off to the altar. He had, he had stuff hanging out of his lip. He had two big old studs in his tongue. I got to him. His old chest was heaving. He was crying and praying. The model shuts down. He smelled like he hadn't had a bath in a couple of weeks. He had a nasty old blue tank top shirt on. He was sweating. But before I even could get down to him, Brother Holmes, that whole, that old tongue that had a stud in it was flopping up and down, talking in tongues. Brother Phil White, you pastor out there, you know how it is. You know the kind of people that walk into your church. He comes in the second night. It didn't take him, Brother Cox, long to catch on. If they're shouting, if the model's working right, it ought to make him feel like he can shout. He didn't know any better. He took a bath, pulled some of his piercings out. He still had that old nasty stud in his tongue. It started getting hot and the choir was singing the second night. I knew what was fixing to happen. He busted out of that pew and started having himself a fit. He went down that side aisle. That pastor slid over next to me and he said, aren't you going to stop him? And I looked at him and I got about that far from his nose and I said, no, sir, respectively, I'm not. I said, you wanted a breakthrough. And I said, it's going to come from the most unlikely. And about the time that guy come around that side and hit the front of that church dancing and screaming and shouting that old, that old tongue with a stud in it. Screaming. I watched that place go. Now, I'm going to take a chance here, Jeff. If they talk about me, you tell them. You tell them you know the real Cody Marks. You know who I am. You know what I believe. But on judgment, I believe a woman's hair ought to be uncut. But the whole issue at judgment, the whole issue at judgment, he's going to say. He didn't say he is. I was naked. You might as well at least give me an old billy goat nod. And you wouldn't clothe me. I was hungry and you wouldn't feed me. What is pure religion? What is it? 
Pure religion is not just our abstinence from the world. What are we doing to, to reach and touch the undesirables? I was naked. You didn't clothe me. I was hungry. You wouldn't feed me. Get it right. Get the standards right. Get the holiness right. we got to get it right. Brother Cox, God forbid we get all the standards right and we forget to love. There will be no segregation in heaven. I got one or two, that's right. I'll say it again. There will be no segregation in heaven. And there's people sadly in this building right now so mad. It's okay. My response to you is the same response to the mad Jonah. What do you want God to do? Just let them go to hell? What you want? Is that what you think you ought to do? Okay. Favor fails when we forget what favor's for. Gary Robinson, where are you at? Who's going who's to turn this? If there can be a multicultural church in Burlington, North Carolina, there can be one in Pine, Louisiana.
in the presence of Jehovah. 